Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. What should be the heart of your investing playbook in terms of the philosophy underpinning the way you invest? Welcome to another masterclass here on Money and Me. Today we're looking at value investing and asking, is it still relevant today? I've invited Christopher Tan, CEO of Provident, uh, to join us. In 2020, the S&P 500 fell in value by around a third in a single month, only to then bounce back, recovering its value in roughly the next four months. So such a highly volatile backdrop can identifying small variation in asset pricing then become problematic? Is value investing uh, still providing good value, so to speak, for investors? Or are the returns to value still measurably positive, but a lot smaller than what they once were. Let's hear what Christopher Tan has to say about the debate. Welcome to the show, Christopher. Good morning. Hey, good morning and happy Lunar New Year uh, to all listeners. Wonderful. Happy Lunar New Year to you as well. I wonder if we could start by, you know, discussing what value investing is in your book. Well, value investing, Michelle, is simply about finding cheap companies to invest. But, you know, it is a relative measure, right? Because uh, when we say that something is cheap, it has to be compared to something being more expensive. So if we talk about expected return from an investment, we all know that the lower the price you pay for an asset and assuming that you know the cash flow or the income from that asset remain constant, the higher the return you get. So in value investing, we are looking for that lower cost asset. And if I may use an example, let's okay. say if you buy company A, mm-hmm. which costs $10 to buy, and that company makes $5 a year, while there is a company B that costs $20 more expensive to buy, but makes the same cash flow of $5 a year. I mean, I think it is clear to everyone that company A is cheaper relative to company B, and that gives you a higher return. So value investing is about finding companies like this. Everybody wants to know, how do I determine if the stock is uh, at value, is cheap? Right. So um, that's a good question. I mean, there are several measures of value. Many like to use the price-earning ratio or P-E ratio, but I think that one of the better measures of uh, value is uh, P-B ratio, which is price-to-book ratio. Now, what does that mean? Now, price-to-book ratio, so price divided by book. So price is the company value, Mm -hmm. and this is the information where the market is valuing the company. You see the price on the market, right? So the book value is the company accounting value. And that is the information you get from the company financial statement about the, the, the value of the company, or sometimes we call the net asset value. So in theory, if you liquidate all the assets of the company and pay off all the debt, that will be the value remaining for the shareholder. So generally speaking, if the market value, which is the, uh, the numerator of the company, is lower than the book value, which is the denominator, then, well, we know that an investor is buying at a price that well, it's lower than what the company should be worth. So generally speaking, a lower PB relative to companies in the same industry is considered cheaper. 
All right. I was reading um, research, you know, about value investing. So there's research out there by Eugene Farmer, Kenneth French. They are two major proponents of factor-based investing. And they right. say that the returns to value investing have fallen sharply in the second half of 1963 to 2019, that period right. of time. Uh, how do you think value investing has performed recently? Well, uh, Michelle, you're definitely right, man. I mean, uh, Eugene Farmer and Ken French is the guy to read. I mean, they, they, they came out with this thing called the three-factor theory. And one of the factors mm-hmm. that uh, both of them found out that gives stocks a higher expected return would be value. Um, but unfortunately, uh, value has not done very well recently. You know, although if you look at it from the long-term perspective, since 1928, if you go back all the way, 1928, <laughs> Okay. You know, great depression. Mm. The value premium has been about 3.18%. By uh, value premium, I mean that value stocks have done better than growth stocks by about 3.18% per year since 1928. But as I mentioned, the past 10 years, value has definitely underperformed growth. The last three years have been extremely bad. Mm-hmm. You know, although the last uh, three to four months, uh, as you have you know, mentioned at the start of the program, we do see some green shoots. It's been better, be it stocks, uh, be it value stocks in the emerging markets or developed markets. Value has beaten growth. And just to give you some numbers, mm. yeah, uh, developed markets growth for the last three, four months has been about 12, 13% versus developed market uh, value, which is about close to 20%. So you see value mm. doing well uh, in the de- developed markets. For the emerging markets, growth stocks has been about 25, 26% versus emerging markets, which is about 30%. So again, whether uh, is it developed or emerging markets? Value has done better over the last few formats. But, well, overall, the last few, 10 years, it hasn't been doing very well. Okay, but how has it been doing in the short run? I mean, people seem to be eyeing the U.S. market for growth stocks now. We have seen value stocks rally, haven't we, as prospects for the coronavirus vaccine raise hopes of, of a quick return to the normal economy. But there seems to be a lot of uh, emphasis on cyclicals right now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, over the last one year or so, I mean, there's been a lot of interest in growth stocks, especially tech companies, fintech companies. And we all know because of the pandemic, well, in a way, the tech stocks, they have benefited, mm. right, from this uh, pandemic. And the thing about growth stocks is that, you know, sometimes for growth stocks, not all, but sometimes growth stocks, they may not have the profit, but people believe that, you know, through their gaining of the market share, even though they are losing money and burning cash, well, people believe that, you know, finally when they are able to turn their profit mm-hmm. or rather turn growth into profit, mm-hmm. they're going to get huge returns. So everybody storm into buying all these growth stocks. And that's why we see that growth stock has done very well, you know, uh, as compared to value. But I think, you know, if you are a long-term investor, mm-hmm. I think you got to think longer term and not cyclical, right? I mean, especially if you're investing your serious money, your yeah. retirement money, mm-hmm. 10, 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. So... I mean, you've got to look at, you know, in the long term, from evidence, who has done better. And it is quite clear that, you know, from evidence, value actually beats growth most of the time. And also, well, value, if you think of the logic of value, it is a lot more logical. I mean, and that's why, you know, sometime back, you know, uh, Mr. Warren Buffett said, you cannot understand growth stocks, you cannot understand tech companies. Mm-hmm. Not saying he's right, mm-hmm. yeah, but we definitely can understand why people invest in value. So he's referring to sort of the intangible reasons for why tech stocks seem to be rising? 
Yeah, because sometimes, you know, when you buy into some of these, and not just tech stocks, but generally growth companies, uh, you cannot yeah. see the cash flow. You cannot see the income, right? Yeah. The company is losing money, but the share price is going up like crazy, right? Mm. So it's very hard to understand why a, a stock like this can be going up very high when the company is not making money. And it's all built on that belief that, oh, you know, finally they will be able to turn profitable. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of fintech companies is... is based on that model. I burn cash now, I get VC money, you know, I invest. Although I'm losing money, but well, one day I'm going to make it. But indeed, there are stories that are like that. Like Amazon is a great story, you know, but, but well, there is one Amazon and there are many, many companies who unfortunately don't make it. Absolutely right. I mean, it reminds me of the dot-com bubble when there were not so much, you know, sober methods of rigor for for assessing, you know, what we should buy into. We use vague measures, right? Like eyeballs or engagement or opportunity. Yes, absolutely. So um, with this backdrop, given where we are now in a post-pandemic world, uh, vaccine Mm. rollout happening, economic Mm. recovery uneven, is, is value still a worthwhile strategy? Well, you know, um, Michelle, you know, one of the reasons why value has not done very well you know, over the last few years is because, and especially the last one year, except for the last few months, is that when the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. unfortunately, the value companies, you know, they are the ones that are hit most. But now, you know, when the vaccine is out, um, yes, I know that, you know, it is still uncertain. But, you know, investors, when they invest, mm-hmm. uh, they are really pricing in what they think the future will be like and not now. And, well, they think that, well, if the, when the economy recovers, all these beaten down stocks, you know, they will recover very strongly. And that is precisely why the last three months you see value coming back very strongly, right? So it is still a worthwhile strategy because, like I say, mm-hmm. based on evidence, value stocks still beat growth stock most of the time. And just to give some numbers, in any 10-year period, okay. value growth 82% of the time. In any five-year period, value beat growth 73% of the time. And in any one-year period, value beat growth 59% of the time. It's not wow. 100%. So this is one of those few years that, well, unfortunately, value is losing to growth. Mm. But like I say, more importantly, it is still worthwhile because it is a logical approach to investing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for us at Provident, we rather go for an evidence-based approach uh, than one that is based on hope. But I, I just want to say that Having said all that, mm-hmm. um, you know, value approach is just one way of investing. There are others approach. You mentioned uh, Ken French, Eugene Farmer, yeah. three factor. Yeah. Value is one of them. The other two factor will be small cap stocks and investing in companies that are more profitable. So the key really is to stay diversified. Stay invested in mm-hmm. these stocks, you know, and when the returns come, you are in a good position to capture them. Okay, you've always advocated investing in indexes, not trying to beat the market. We see a lot of retail investors coming in now. They're said to be the new invisible hand of the market. So is value investing still a market-beating strategy? It's another good question, really. I mean, if you are an investor that simply focuses on picking a handful of value stocks, yes, you are effectively trying to beat the market. But, you know, for us, um, our investment methodology, our belief is one whereby we believe in buying a very diversified portfolio of stocks for uh, our clients. Mm-hmm. It can be as much as um, uh, as many as 9,000 stocks across both the developed and emerging markets. It's as good as buying the entire market. But the key is this. Inside these 9,000 stocks, it would tilt or include big caps, growth uh, stocks. But if we will tilt the portfolio to a selection of value, small cap stocks, 
and stocks that show a higher profitability. And this way, you are not trying to beat the market. You are trying to capture at least the return of the broad market, but do slightly better by positioning yourself in a way whereby you can cover all bases, which includes value stocks. Is value investing still relevant? That's the topic of our conversation with Christopher Tan, CEO of Provident. Where do you see value now, Christopher? Well, I think um, value is coming back, and especially this is quite evident over the last uh, few months. But, you know, in the short term, uh, anything can happen to the market, mm. right? And, and so, you know, and Mr. Warren Buffett himself said, right, in the short term, the market, well, it, it's like a voting machine, but in the long term, it is a value machine. So I uh, advise investors not to worry too much about uh, the short term. Um, but in the long term, I believe that, you know, value stocks will continue to do well. I mean, when we, I also want to say that, you know, when we say that value has underperformed growth, it doesn't mean that you are losing money. It's just that during this period, you are not making as much as if you have invested in, well, um, growth stocks. I mean, if you really want to make a lot of money, buy crypto right now, you know, buy Bitcoin right now, right? But in the long term, I mean, you got to ask yourself, what is the more logical and more reliable way of investing? And I think we cannot uh, avoid or ignore value stocks. Okay, but what are value stocks for 2021? Where do you see it now? Um, I mean, for change, I mean, like I say, in the short term, it is very hard. We normally don't guess where the markets are going. Mm. Uh, we, we we discover that whenever we guess, most of the time we are wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> Can but you talk I, about I'm value positive. sectors then? Yeah, but I, I'm, I, I mean, we don't, uh, for us, we, we use this term that we don't try and time the premium. Meaning to say we don't try and, and guess whether value will do better this year or growth or small caps or large caps. Mm-mm. But I mean, if you ask me personally, yeah. I believe that, you know, for the next 12 months, value will come back. I mean, it has been down for 10 years already. It's been down for three years, uh, especially the last three years already. I do believe that this year, you know, value is going to uh, have a good showing. I mean, can you give us some examples of where you see value? Um, I, I, we don't pick stocks, like I say. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't uh, pick sectors. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, it's generally... I mean, a lot of people, when they choose to pick value stocks, mm-hmm. um, they look at... They do a, what we call a calculation of the intrinsic value of a particular company okay. and see whether it is cheaper than uh, what the market is pricing it right now. But for us, we don't actually do that. Like I say, you know, we buy a whole basket and then uh, whichever stock that shows uh, that it is cheap in terms of price to book, uh, that is the place uh, where that we will go for. So, unfortunately, I don't have specific stocks to give you, <laughs> or to any listeners. Uh, yeah. So. Okay. Okay. I want to talk about a very famous value investor who does make very transparent what his investing decisions are, and I'm talking about Warren Buffett. Okay. Berkshire Hathaway cut Apple Holdings during the last couple of months of uh, last year, but they also revealed three new buys that it snapped up in secret. So Berkshire bought stocks in Verizon Communications, Marsh and McLennan, and that's an insurance broker, and Chevron. And these bets, uh, they were granted confidential status, of course, not revealed in third quarter regulatory filings. But news of those investments sent shares of those three companies up in aftermarket trading. So what do you think about uh, Buffett's new picks? Reducing his Apple stake, cutting back on JP Morgan, I understand, and then these three new stocks. Well, I think Warren Buffett, we all know that he's one of the biggest advocates of uh, value investing and I think he's just staying true to his investment philosophy mm. by buying down the beaten down stocks and selling the stocks that have performed well and no longer uh, value, right? 
So Chevron, oil company, you know, Verizon, you know, uh, Telco, both are good businesses that have fallen out of favor recently. But I think uh, Mr. Warren Buffett sees them um, to come back up, you know, because they are poised to benefit from the recovery of the economy. Uh, and when the economy recover, you know, there will be a recovery of uh, oil demand, not just uh, energy, but raw materials and a lot of manufacturing, recovery of consumer spending, so on and so forth. In Verizon case, also likely to, I mean, they are likely to benefit from the shift to 5G networks. And uh, mm-hmm. therefore, you know, things, you know it mm-hmm. is now value, it's cheap. Uh, and that's what, uh, you know, Warren Buffett has done. Apple, we all love Apple, right? But uh, he's been trimmed down because uh, Apple is no longer a value stock. So, why, why is uh, that? Uh, some listeners might think, isn't value the prime example of a, a stock that's likely to outperform the overall stock market over a long time? Well, that's provided that it is cheap, right? I mean, if it's not cheap, anything that, I mean, yes, we can... I see it. I mean, Apple is making lots of money for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are, they are they are definitely doing very well. Mm-hmm. But when investors start to go in and, and uh, buy up the price of their stock, it is then no longer cheap. And no matter how good a company is, when you buy it very expensive, the expected return is going to fall. And Warren Buffett, being a value investor, is doing what he always said he would do. Mm-hmm. Now he's not. He has not totally uh, got out of Apple. Uh, he still has got Apple. True. He is just trimming yeah. down his position mm. and instead redirecting the money to where he thinks value is, and in this case, it's Chevron and uh, Verizon. All right, Chris, before we let you go, why is it important that we as investors do not underestimate the power of value stocks? I think, you know, like I say, that uh, over the long term, I mean, evidence, I mean, there are enough evidence, and this evidence, a lot of them are uncovered by uh, Eugene Farmer, the Nobel laureate, and Ken French, and there are many other scholars whom have shown that most of the time value beat growth, right? And it is a logical way of investing. Logical because, you know, if you buy a good company that shows good earnings, uh, good profits, but at a relatively cheaper price, I mean, logically, you are always going to do better. Now, don't focus on the short term. I know growth is mm. the theme over it's the so last So thrilling, year. right? When you think yeah, about yeah. growth. Yeah, yeah. Everybody <laughs> likes growth, right? But I mean, I'm not saying don't buy it at all. Right. Yeah, but don't ignore value. Value will come back. All right. And you know, the father of value investing, Warren Buffett, if you put $1,000 in Berkshire Hathaway in 1964, that would be worth more than $27 million today. Yeah, amen, amen to that, man. <laughs> yeah. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. That's Christopher Tan, CEO of Provident. Provident, by the way, is a fee-only wealth advisory firm. I'm Michelle Martin, and this has been Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.